Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, Kirchen Steuern sind die Anzahlung auf die Reise in Jenseits, bei der die Veranstalter für nichts haften. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Jumping Sumo Maddox. <laughs> How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing fine, mate. How are you? Well, I think last week I was angry tired and now okay. I'm just like ruined as a I'm a spectacle of what I was before like I'm just a shadow of my former self my daughter is getting up earlier and earlier and <laughs> it's just I can't I don't know what I'm meant to do I'm, I'm working and I'm I'm speaking to a class today and I was like I'm 50% sure I'm actually here or I could be dreaming I, I'm not entirely sure <laughs> so I'm very sleep deprived but I'm ready. I'm I'm good to go. I think I can podcast. Well, I'll, I'll let you know if you start speaking German without realizing at some point from being over time. <laughs> Jawohl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm sleep deprived. Hopefully you've got all the energy we need for the show today. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. No one's woken me up early. Uh, in fact, my wife just told me to go back to sleep this morning. So yeah, I'm, I'm well rested, ready to go. You'd be surprised to hear my wife did not say the same thing. Um <laughs> Well, we've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of stuff going on. So we might as well kick off with a, a roundup of uh, updates from last week. We have uh, a, a Union Berlin update. Give us a quick Union Berlin update. Still going so, good for them, it seems. They've only bloody gone and done it again. So Union are now not only top of the table, they've got breathing space for the first time really since the season started. So they're on 23 points, mm -hmm. uh, four wins in the last five, and Bayern are on 19. So yeah. It's all changed around a little bit. So now uh, Union, Bayern and then Freiburg are the top three with Hoffenheim coming in fourth. But yeah, Union, have, they're literally top of the table now and four points clear of Bayern at this point in the season. It is very exciting with 10 matches played. It's a long way to go. Can they hold on? Probably not. But they are <laughs> literally, they're beating teams, playing great football. It's not that it's getting lucky. And all these teams they're beating have massive wage bills by comparison. So yeah, the fairy tale continues. Good luck, Union. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll be keeping an eye on on their results a bit more. I feel like I'm so out of the loop in football. I realised I hadn't really listened to any of my football podcasts since the start of the season, which is unheard of in uh, in my books. I'm usually mm -hmm. down with everything, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I'm all my time is being segmented and. I never have time to really do half the things I'm meant to be doing. I seem to be doing something because the podcast gets recorded and the blog gets written, but I don't mm -hmm. really know what else I'm I'm doing. But yeah, I, this is my only football update that I get. That and <laughs> an occasional looking at the uh, Newcastle uh, subreddit. Yeah, there's been some other stuff as well. There's been a, um, a bit of movement with regards to uh, Germany's ongoing forever energy crisis. Mm -hmm. We had the Green Party conference at the weekend where there was quite a smooth vote on keeping the nuclear power plants open although i think it was along the lines of keeping only two of them open and shutting one down which wasn't quite what everybody was asking and the greens were suddenly looking a little bit more fundamentalist than people maybe wanted or people would expect them to be they have been quite flexible on so much over the last what what are we on almost a year of, of the coalition but we're about what, 10 months of the coalition? They started in December or something like that, I think was the agreement. I've learned some really interesting German, though, because of all of this. <laughs> and I'm going to throw some phrases and at least cool. a word that came out. Yesterday, was the big movement was Olaf Scholz, the Chancellor of Germany, 
decided to make a decisive decision and his decisive decision was to keep these three contested nuclear power plants open at least until the 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 start of next year which is what i believe the cdu csu has been calling for and he did this in a very particular way and the word i learned was machtford so this is like he overrode everyone the translation that I kept getting was word of power, which is great because mm. it sounds like something out of Skyrim, right? It's, like <laughs> it's, got, it's got a word of power. It's like he, he shouted at everybody and it was like they were shocked by his <laughs> magical speech. Essentially, yeah, this sort of decisive decision making or I think I've got a dude in definition here that I could pull up that would give us a bit more information. But yeah, it's sort of, it stands for this sort of the boss making a decision or a word of authority from the boss. Is, is essentially what it is and it doesn't permit any objection and can be enforced due to the balance of power so it's another mm. one of those lovely german words that has a very specific meaning sounds like fun yeah sounds like a fun boss <laughs> but along with that i came across some other sort of strange language it was a criticism i believe by one of the cdu politicians about the situation and he talked about i think it, the phrase was like ein mouse geboren think that was the terminology and i was like what birth the mouse i don't know what this means right <laughs> and so i did some research and it comes from i think it comes from horace the is it the is it roman poet writer i could be wrong maybe he's greek i'm sure i did something about him in latin class and mm. it's this this sort of phrase about uh, the mountain gave birth and a little mouse was born i still don't quite know what it means <laughs> is it the opposite of jumping the shark i don't quite get it I really don't, like, nothing really gave me a definitive, but I, yeah, I think it's the idea of, like, it's a disappointing decision, or, like, the decision wasn't good enough, essentially, is what it means. But it made me think about how much of the language is dominated by, well, depending on who you believe, Shakespeare or someone's language who Shakespeare took credit for. English has a lot <laughs> of this kind of terminology, these idioms that come from Shakespearean language, whereas a lot of stuff either comes from Sometimes it's the Brothers Grimm, sometimes it's it's Goethe, Schiller, things like this. But this seems to be a much older piece of terminology. And the thing I was wondering is, like if I started quoting Latin at you, you would think I'd gone all Boris Johnson, right? Or you think I maybe it was a little <laughs> bit pretentious. Whereas apparently if a German politician does it, they look very educated. So well, it's the re-smog approach, isn't it? Like start quoting so. things in Latin or Greek and everyone's like, mm. oh, this person's being educated. And yeah, I mean, I think we even had it in the group chat the other day. I, I used some Latin and I was roundly turned on. <laughs> I won't finish my conjugation. <laughs> Justifiably so, I would say. I mean, it, to be fair, it isn't. It's, it's like the crowning trauma of my childhood was being forced to do Latin. <laughs> and yeah, before my GCSEs, which we do at 16, mm -hmm. uh, I've been trying and failing all these mock exams. And the head of the classics department came to me and said, would you be interested, instead of doing the Latin exam, do the classics one? And I was like, I haven't done any lessons in classics. She's like, yeah, but we think you might do better <laughs> doing an exam I hadn't prepared for. That's how good I was at Latin. Um, so, yeah, it's not really panned out very well. <laughs> I know you don't seem to use it that much, if I'm honest. Uh, only only to be... I mean, cogito ergo sum. There we go. Take some of that. Uh, <laughs> And of course, the, uh, the the motto of my beloved Tottenham Hotspur is "Ordere es facere," to dare is to do. That's yeah. some Latin right there. There you go. <laughs> the other word that I didn't know about was "basta." 
Basta. Do you know this word that's used in German? This is Franconian pasta, I think. Basta. <laughs> Basta. <laughs> I mean, yes, you would have thought so. But it was a lot of this headlines that were saying the Chancellor has, does the Chancellor have Basta? Basta. And it, essentially it means like that's that, or it's an expression used by someone to indicate that they do not wish to speak further about something. And uh, again, another word I'd never heard before, but I was like, oh, I wonder how I can use this. Uh, I got a word of power, uh, mountains giving birth to mice, and apparently now the phrase for that's that. Well, so. be sure to keep us updated if you decide to start using Machwort with your wife. Uh, try and use it at home first and see, see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I might just use it with other people first, just to be sure. <laughs> I'm fairly sure the words of power are held by my, my wife. Um, they're certainly not held by me. Um, as we all know, I'm the third most important person in my house. Uh, and I take pride in that. <laughs> um, yeah. So aside from all this exciting German that we've been learning, there's also an Arne Schönborn update. As you remember, I feel like it might be Arne. I think Arne's yeah. a, a Dutch uh, version of the same name. But um, he was president of the um, German Federal Office for Information Security. And he was in hot water for apparently having ignored various contacts uh, between a company that was sort of pretending to be um, a German company it was actually a Russian cybersecurity company um, that had been part of a cybersecurity group that Herr Schoenbaum had set up or, or co-founded. And he got in a lot of hot water or at least a lot of trouble for the fact that uh, this was all discovered by Jan Bermerman, the uh, mm -hmm. TV comedian we discussed. And he's now been sacked, has Arne, sadly. And uh, they're looking, obviously, for a new president of the German Federal Office for Information Security. So I'm going to put forth your name, Simon. I'm going to write a, a letter and say... Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just terrified that Elon Musk is going to get invited to interview for this role. <laughs> yeah, you've got to see how many Musk horn dogs are on the, on the panel to choose the next uh, <laughs> president. So we'll see. I mean, there's another update in a, in a sense that there was a lot of kickback on uh, Jan Berman's report, a lot of discrediting. There was a very big article in Spiegel about his journalistic endeavours and whether they were really or strictly um, solid. And I think my, my, in these situations, there's a lot of mudslinging going on. There's a lot of confusion. I used to feel like I had a grasp of German politics and sort of German current events. And now I just feel like I'm totally lost. Every time I read something, it doesn't really make sense. The nuclear debate is a good example where, as far as I can tell, they've compromised, made a decision that, that was what the opposition were asking for. But apparently that's still wrong. And people on Twitter are still very angry about it. And now the, the opposition in Germany, the CDU, are demanding that the... Um, power plants be extended to later into 2023 possibly even 2024 so i don't i just don't understand it feels like basically the government makes the decision people have been asking for and then everyone loses their shit i don't really understand what's happening <laughs> i feel just <laughs> permanently confused by what's going on so like, isn't this what you asked for didn't you want this um uh, and then you have this example too where this is the right decision? No, it's not. It's apparently not the right decision. Everyone is very upset about it. It just feels like it reiterates that idea that Germany just loves arguing with itself more than it loves doing actual stuff. It just wants to argue and discuss. Eternally. I mean, obviously, your, your Twitter experience is far more immersive than mine because you are 
very active and I just do the podcast. But yeah, every time I peek into like the trending topics, it's always just like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to close that door. I do not want to be involved in this. Um, all credit to you, but I, I couldn't handle dealing with all that Twitter further on a daily basis um, as an active user. There's a lot of doctor, doctor people, and there's a lot of like, I mean, frankly, just white men with suits, like in sort of very stylized photos in the profile, like waxing lyrical. And like, I'm no expert on any of this stuff. I try and understand it. I try and sort of distill it into something I can understand. And sometimes I tweet about it. But a lot of the time, it just seems like just very opinionated people, as, as Twitter is, obviously, but it's like super like aggressive people or it's the RFD, or it's just like, just, yeah, I don't know. It seems very needlessly aggressive, very arch thinkers sort of laying out their very intelligent opinions and people sort of just shouting at them at every opportunity. It would be all well and good if that was where it ended. But of course, in Germany, we have lots of TV shows where this is performed live for the good of the audience and the nation, where academics are asked to espouse on beliefs in the face of experts and then get very uppity <laughs> when when reminded that their opinions don't necessarily reflect reality yeah that's the the tv shows like meischberger and i think lands as well is another yeah. one so again right we look at britain and britain's not a very good example because it's such a shit show and its politics are so fucking awful and again we're going to probably talk about that in a bit but the environment for political talk shows is so anemic uh, and then you look at Germany and they have all these different talk shows. But then people are still aren't happy about that. They hate that. <laughs> they hate people discussing. They hate people making decisions. They should make other decisions. And when people make those decisions that they these these people advocate, they get angry that they made those decisions and not a big and like just like it's this endless loop of absolute dross, constant dross of just like people arguing into the wind. I just have lost all all energy to engage with it whatsoever and now i'm just enjoying pointing and laughing at liz truss falling apart um as we all knew it would happen that's much more soothing to my soul than trying to understand the machinations of the coalition government in germany and everyone's myriad of opinions so it's a bittersweet remedy to be like oh okay yeah i'm gonna escape all this very earnest debate to just like look at Britain and see the absolute bonfire of politics that's happening there now. A lot of people in the UK are now going to have to find thousands of pounds extra a year to pay their mortgages uh, mm. or risk losing their homes is the most insane salt in wound possible when you look at costs of energy, costs of all the things happening here in Germany are happening in the UK to a degree higher Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It's, several it's degrees really, higher probably yeah yeah i mean obviously there's been on monday and on sunday as well there were reports that germany is about to go into recession and things aren't particularly rosy here at all but yeah at least we're getting some sort of truth out of our government it feels like um with the things we've spoken about earlier already like the um nuclear plants like, there's been some sort of transparency Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was in the UK, they'd just be like, oh, we've done this. And then it turns out they haven't. Um, yep. So, for example, the energy price cap or the energy bill protection, whatever they call it in the UK, mm-hmm. they've said, oh, it's two years. And it transpires now that it actually ends in 
April or May. Mm-hmm. So yeah, people are in going to be in a lot of trouble when spring mm-hmm. comes around. But it's like anything. If they've been talking about Germany going into recession for a couple of years now, yeah, of course, yeah, and like for with good reason, I, th- I think in a lot of ways. But you can't have a situation like you have in Ukraine, and you can't have a situation like where the media is constantly freaking people out about energy prices and about this that and the other people are just going to stop spending money of course they're going to stop spending money mm. like why would they keep spending money if it, it, it and that's individuals businesses investing in, in their companies whatever i mean i'm no master economist or anything but i think that's the basic principles of recession is when the economy starts contracting right uh, and a decline in spending essentially or activity i think is the word they would use but yeah you end up with this situation where like of course it wouldn't surprise me, but it's always the the sort of German proclivity to uh, look at the the negative, and I think it's it's why I don't feel so negative. Even when they talk about U turns in German politics, I'm like, yeah, but like the British government U turns every other day at this point. Like they come out with a policy, the Sun readers don't like it, so they U turn yeah. very quickly. <laughs> so, and I know you shouldn't compare. We're always told don't compare. But it's hard not to in this situation. Yeah, it's, it's the essence of the show. Can <laughs> 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 I have to? <laughs> no, why, why do they want to shut us down, man? Aside <laughs> <laughs> from spending money that doesn't exist, it's not actually that long now until Christmas comes. Yay! Isn't that exciting? Yeah, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> More credit card bills. Yeah. And like articles are coming thick and fast. You can already buy your Christmas goodies in your supermarket, I'm sure. But yeah, an interesting article here talking about the the most in-demand toys uh, this year. I think it's always an interesting insight into where our species are currently on a good track or not as to what toys they want. So this is an article from The Guardian that focuses on the Hamleys. Uh, have you been to Hamleys, Nick? Oh, yeah. I mean, Hamleys holds a, a real place in my heart. It was the toy shop I went to. When we first went to London, and that was like mm-hmm. the eight, like late eighties, early nineties, we would go to Hamleys, and it was massive. Like at the time, living in Newcastle was, we mm-hmm. didn't have a Hamleys. I don't think. No, I think we had a Hamleys, but it was a shit Hamleys. And the London one was really like mega. It had a giant teddy bear outside. I remember that it was all very yeah, yeah, massive, uh, beefy to teddy bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I say this is. I think for a lot of people, especially tourists, if you go to London and you got kids, you're going to take them to Hamleys. It is an icon. Uh, of a toy shop 262 years Hamleys has been going and there are 15 of them in the UK so there are bad ones about and there are also 90 international franchises as well I didn't know that I didn't realize Um, that no but yeah the one on Regent Street uh, Mm -hmm. is a mecca uh, for toy buying folk Uh, so Hamleys know their onions when it comes to kids toys uh, and so the headline this year is Peppa Pig and Buzz Lightyear make Hamley's list for top Christmas toys. And of course, Peppa Pig uh, is well known and has been <laughs> accused of giving American kids British accents, apparently. We spoke about that before. Um, and it's Peppa Wurtz uh, in, in German and Buzz Lightyear. I, don't, I assume he's called Buzz Lightyear in German. I don't know. <laughs> Hair Lightyear. <laughs> Hair Lightyear, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Nick, are you excited about Christmas? Uh, are you looking forward to buying one of these toys, maybe? I'm excited for Christmas. I love Christmas. As you know, I am the unofficial lord of Christmas. But um, <laughs> I was, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this and I was like, this seems a bit tone deaf given we've got a 
cost of living crisis that's ever increasing in Britain, but also in other parts of the world where they're like, oh, these are the in toys. It does feel like you're heaping a lot of stress on parents to ensure their children have the right toy at Christmas. I mean, the second paragraph does open with, with Britain struggling with rising living costs. <laughs> so they, they are at least addressing that. And a spokeswoman for Hamleys came out and said, this year it is all about good quality classic toys that can be handed down. It's a lovely sentiment. But of course, if you go to an average toy store today, it is all just plastic shit. Um, the idea of it being mm. handed down like a fine wooden german railway set um I, th- I think it's very hard to get those kinds of toys today like a brio one and my daughter's got one and it's a hand-me-down a lot of her toys people have, have given to us as uh, um as hand-me-downs as, uh, from from their children um i think rich was talking about this richard who was a former guest of the show and he made a video online about um he was outside smith's. of smith's yeah. And he was saying that inside of it all, it was just plastic shite. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my experience of every time I go to a toy shop. I'm like, why is this a toy? What is this? And it's like <laughs> some kind of like thing that dissolves and then it costs 70 euros and you dissolve it in water and then you've got another toy that's just a molded piece of plastic. And I do appreciate I sound exactly like my dad right now. So, um, <laughs> but the, the offers that they've got are like, oh, it's a hundred pound Play-Doh ice cream van playset. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. I mean, the hundred pounds is the most expensive toy on this year's list at Hamley's, which is definitely lower than it has been in the past. So last year they had a Barbie Dream House. Hmm. It was three hundred and ten pounds. Just excessive, man. That is an insane amount of money. That's yeah, what well, three hundred and seventy euros thereabouts. I got a really nice like doll's house. I think it was from Aldi, and it was like thirty euros or forty euros, and it was like exactly the kind of thing my daughter wanted to play with. But like the the toy of choice for my childhood was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's the first time I appreciated. This is a massive thing. And I remember my mum trying to buy the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and being on the phone with different toy shops and no one had them. And they were, like, she'd hang up the phone and she'd go, they've only got Shredder and Rocksteady and Bebop. Oh. And we'd be like, no, we don't want those. <laughs> Bad guys. That's shit. And um, I remember that. But one of the things I remember is we did eventually get Harmy down of these action figures. And what was a massive, a massive thing was blue peter the kids sort of magazine show on bbc made like how to make a turtle's base out of a cardboard box and that was the i, I remember making loads of those for my brother and it was the best like one of some of the most fun we ever had mm-hmm. and i kind of think like it's marketing and advertising shite and i'm lucky because my daughter doesn't watch like we've got like cable this sort of viewing we watch netflix or we watch amazon or maybe a bit of youtube occasionally very carefully because youtube's algorithm's proper wrong when it comes to kids viewing so she watches peppa pig and she has some peppa pig clothes and we bought some peppa pig like toys from a secondhand market but like she's not clamoring for anything particularly i'm sure when she starts going to school and seeing what everyone mm. else has got there'll be an element of that yeah but um i just think it's fucking absolutely ridiculous you know like what is the point of why is it 310 pounds because it has some batteries how much does it cost to build but it costs like a tenner to build or something <laughs> it just seems total rip off yeah i mean barbie is of course is a part of mattel they're not exactly yeah. a charity yeah. are they yeah but i mean what about buzz lightyear 
Everyone likes Buzz. Um, and we've, we've got one. 60 pounds, you can get one of his action figures that boasts apparently a fusion canister. Uh, is, what does that mean? Basically, it's part of the jetpack and it gives off a vapor when he blasts off. Uh, can I say to Infinity and Beyond without getting sued by Disney? I'm pretty sure you can. I think they won't um, see this. To the edge of somewhere. Um, <laughs> and over it. Exactly. And, and, and near the end. Um, so, six quid, Buzz Lightyear. I guess that yeah. kind of makes sense. But at the same time, like Buzz Lightyear toys were like we weren't that old when Toy Story first came out. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's been around for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing that Hamleys have said that it's like known established brands uh, like Barbie, like Peppa Pig, like Buzz Lightyear that are, are predicted to do very, very well. And I'm sure the action. Marvel DC genre as uh, of course another huge sector mm-hmm. for these kinds of plastic crap toys that kids are desperate to have and I think you've you really nailed a key thing there that the peer pressure element of having the right mm-hmm. toy is really huge and that will definitely affect what kids want because uh, what kids really want is what other kids have yeah 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 totally I'm curious though if this is like a uh, this toy is Buzz Lightyear releases vapor does that mean I can put my vape juice in it and just like inhale it from the back of Buzz Lightyear yeah, Buzz Lightyear does like honeycomb <laughs> sorbet <laughs> what have I got at the moment I've got caramel donut mit Erdnuss Budafulung so oh um, that's what I'm putting in it mm, 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 mm. Um, disgraceful well I was speaking to my nephew uh, when I was back in the UK and he was bemoaning the fact that my brother and his, his partner wouldn't let him watch stranger things and he's like 10 mm-hmm. right and it was all just because all his mates had seen it and i just yeah. thought like i speak very plainly to my, my nephew because he's my nephew i can get away with it and i just said to him i was like he's like oh but all my friends have done it i was like he's saying i've watched stranger things first two seasons okay but then it becomes like a proper 80s horror sort of show and it's very freddy krueger-esque in parts like a nightmare monster that attacks people in their dreams and stuff mm-hmm. And it is proper scary. And I say, did their parents let them watch it? And they're like, oh, yeah, their parents. And I say, I'll tell you what, mate, the reason you're not allowed to watch it is I think your parents actually like you. You know, like, (laughs) that's the truth of it. Like, if you do not give a shit about what your kid's psychological, like, impact Mm. and TV. And I talked to him about going to see Robocop. Not seeing it, sorry. We had it on video. I remember seeing the box of Robocop and I must have been eight or nine and I, and I, like, I loved what it looked like and mm-hmm. I, I just, I couldn't understand what it was about, but I looked and made Robot Cop. Like it was yeah. obvious that like, this is amazing <laughs> and the image on the front is iconic and I remember seeing it when I was about 11. I think my parents left and me and my brother watched it and the sequence at the beginning of Robocop where Murphy gets blown to pieces mm-hmm. by the bad guys is, is laughable when you watch it now, but at the time... It was the, so graphic. It was horrific. And I remember just being properly, sometimes I even think about it now and be like, oh, like I shouldn't have watched it. And I said that to him. I was like, you know, when you watch something like that, you, you, you don't get to go back and mm. get rid of that memory. It's with you. And I said, like, I still think about it now. And it looks stupid, but I think that was the moment where I stopped being a little kid, you know, and started. Mm. And you realize now what that what is. And I said, like, I tried to advise him just not to concern himself about it. And I don't know whether he listened, but it's exactly that kind of shit, right? It's Mm. just like someone else's parents splashing loads of cash, buying all the latest stuff and other kids just feeling sort of left out. And I had that experience. I'm sure you had that experience at some point in school. Yeah, sure. Being at a boarding school, it was a bit Mm. different because we didn't have free access to watch a lot of shows. But at my school before, like yeah, I remember that time watching Bottom, 
uh, yeah. with Aid Edmondson and Rick Mail, like all the cool kids had watched Bottom the night it came out, and I, I definitely wasn't allowed to. My mum was just yeah. like, "You're not watching." It's, first, it's called Bottom. That's a bit of a red flag for a mother like mine, and it was really like, yeah, it was grotesque and sweary and violent. I, I remember not feeling cool, and I, I'm pretty sure mm. I might have even lied and been like, "Oh yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely saw it. Yeah, 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 yeah." yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's hard being a kid. Really but what would make it easier is if I had a jumping sumo. Um, <laughs> so I guess it was my nickname at the start of the show, so we probably should talk about it before we yeah, move on. Please from do. This. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so the jumping sumo is one of a long line of radio-controlled cars that's designed to uh, whiz, jump, flip. Um, this rallies racer is going to be zooming at the top of your kids' wish list this year. You'll have all the fun together this Christmas with our speedy sumo car. So yeah, it's a remote control car. It looks pretty cool. I don't know why it's called jumping or sumo. Uh, yeah. It feels like it's some sort of... I mean, yeah, do we really need to call things sumo today? It's one of those things where I don't think I have enough brain power to conceive of what the hell it is. It just looks like a two-wheeled remote control car. It looks like something I probably would have wanted as a kid, to be perfectly yeah, frank. totally. It looks great. I'm sure the advert would have been amazing. Like, sumo mm. car, sumo jump car. And <laughs> like, a kid looking like gleeful as it like jumps over a dog or something. Um, reaches up to 15 miles per hour. That's pretty rapid. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I'll get that for me for Christmas. <laughs> But yeah, age bracket seven to nine years. So yeah, to my mental age, it'll work. There we go. So yeah, I, I, I don't know what we're getting my daughter for Christmas. I'm guessing it'll be some kind of hand-me-down. I think what we do have in the basement is a full-on. My wife, uh, when she was a kid, had like a, a shop that her dad had built out of wood, and I think we've got that in the basement ready to go for Christmas. So I think we've already sorted. So far, we've been quite good at keeping her away from that. My mother's terrible for that. She does buy her a lot of like Disney clothes and sort of mm -hmm. Peppa Pig clothes. She has loads of Peppa Pig clothes. And I let her watch Peppa Pig and she watches, she's watching Connie now and something called Bobo about this like, about a bear. I don't, it's, I watch it. I don't fully listen to it, to be honest. But um, those are the only things she really watches at the moment. But I'm guessing as soon as she enters kindergarten, There'll be, there'll be demands for certain new toys and new bits of rubbish. I mean, if you want to give her a head start, you can give her the list of these 10 items. That are, so let's let's have a look at some of these names because they are quite interesting product names, I think. Go on. Uh, so we've got X-Shot Skins, The Last Stand. <laughs> um, it's a blaster with rotating barrel and 27-meter range. Sounds perfect for an infant. Excellent, yeah. <laughs> Play-Doh Ice Cream Truck, Mecca. Yeah. Roll a disco pepper. She might pepper actually pig. go for that, but yeah, yeah. she'll never know about it, so it's fine. <laughs> the next one, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to even say, uh, Coco Melon Boo Boo JJ. <laughs> 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 yeah, apparently, uh, <laughs> apparently, Coco Melon Boo Boo JJ is uh, is like a puppet, okay, uh, a doll uh, with bandages for boo boos. Oh right, uh, okay. So yeah, do you want your child to role play, like caring for, for injured <laughs> infants? <laughs> Coco not, Boo -Boo not, not for forty-four fucking quid. I'll tell you, it's, that. it's not cheap. Uh, next is the one-trick pony again. Yeah, perfect. The aforementioned Lightyear jetpack buzz. The next one blew my mind when I saw the picture. 
because Barbie dolls have been around since the 50s mm-hmm. or or the 40s, I don't know, a long time. But they are now doing Barbie cute reveal, cutie reveal, sorry. If if you had to guess what that is, what would you assume the Barbie cutie reveal is? I don't know. I have like something, there's something to do with the box, something to do with the box opening or... No, it's basically, I think they've taken the inspiration from that show, The Masked Singer. Right. Because it's Barbie in like a mascot outfit and you take off the head and then you see Oh, Barbie's Jesus Christ. Face. I just Googled it. It is. It's intense. Yeah, that's horrific. I tell you what, like I'm just going to get Pogs. I'm just getting Pogs. Oh, and yeah. that's what, that's it. That's it. That's the only toy that kids should be playing with, Pogs. Uh, you might have to remind the audience what Pogs are. Pogs, P-O-G-S, Google it. I can't really describe it except that it's a weird game of like collecting small cardboard discs. You had like a big heavy Pog and you piled them up. And I think if you hit it and the ones that were turned over, you got and the ones that were face up, someone else got. I can't quite remember what the game was. I know it got banned in our school though. So it sort of had gambling elements, mm-hmm. uh, trading elements that are a bit nefarious sometimes. Yeah, people can um, handle losing their collections. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rich kids getting robbed for nice pogs. Okay, the next one, we've got two more. The next one really sounds like they're going to get sued because it's TikTok brick knock. <laughs> oh, what is that? Uh, so it's basically Jenga rebranded so that all the things have like, you got a timer and the bricks, instead of just being wood, have like animal faces on them. So yeah, it's basically Jenga with TikTok branding. Uh, so good luck in that Chinese lawsuit. And finally, <laughs> my favourite, the jumping sumo. Okay, um, yeah. 70 quid though, the jumping sumo is. Bloody hell, that's quite a lot of money. Yeah, I can't see any of those being in my house at Christmas. And if they are, it's somebody else who's spent the money because I don't think I'll be spending any money. <laughs> the one thing I can predict is going to be in your house this Christmas, Nick, is it's time to shout out our campaign. Um, <laughs> bit of, a bit of cheese on Stalin, I'm hoping. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah? campaign's going to restart very soon. I've got some plans for... I've got so much to do between now and Christmas between the cheese and Stalin campaign... <laughs> uh, to promote that even further. But also, we've got the, the beer porcal coming up. Indeed. Um, I'm just piling all the pressure on me at this point. So I think this year, we go a bit a bit further than just cheese and Stalin. I think we maybe come up with some interesting ideas that will set the internet alight. Uh, watch this space. Oh, they're teasing me. and like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's exciting. Just you, wait, you will see it. I will tag you in, my friend. You will appreciate everything I do. But we've got to give shout-outs to a couple of brave listeners who have taken our words, heeded them, and integrated them to their daily existence. So, yeah, uh, shout-out to Sam, uh, who has done travel stolen, if I remember correctly. Um, tried multiple cheeses. Very impressive. And, yeah, he's, he's been a valued campaigner. Uh, and he also did the, the fish... Stäbchen pizza this week so we know that he is yes the bravest of brave souls he's a a adventurer riding the waves of insane german food fads i guess is the word yes it's a fad i think and we've also gone international on this campaign which is also very exciting because shout out also to michael bailey who is uh, one of our Austrian crew? Uh, <laughs> like that's the international this. element. Is, yeah, yeah. He's in Austria. It counts. It's another country. <laughs> try, try just dialing a phone number there. See what happens. You're gonna gonna get nowhere. You need that Austrian dial code. <laughs> 
so yeah, shout out to the two of you for sharing your your stolen journeys uh, with us uh, we love it and anyone else that wants to do it tag us in it we will applaud every effort and give you motivation all the way throughout hell yes yeah hell yes now of course christmas is really about one thing it's not about presents it's not about money it's about the birth of the baby jesus oh baby jesus yeah baby jesus and of course we have to celebrate his birthday and all that it means to us uh so from jesus's birthday uh to his tax monies uh because <laughs> we're in germany and that means that if you if you admit <laughs> to being a believer <laughs> to the finanzams you're going to be paying tax uh, oh, yeah. to your church because that's how normal modern democracies work but there is good news that for the first time your religious affiliation is going to be removed from the register of persons in Germany. And so yeah, this means you can we have finally free religious belief. Uh, it's not part of your Excel spreadsheet about your personal details anymore. Uh, so hopefully it will be a bit less judgy when it comes to if you're Catholic or Protestant or whatever form of religion you adhere to. And this is going to apparently, uh, in great German news, reduce bureaucratic hurdles. And anything that does that is is modern Germany, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I can't understand the purpose of like why you need to have it in, in any kind of marriage certificate or your death certificate, what religion you happen to be, if any. It seems like a weird uh, thing. What isn't weird is that the only people against the bill as it passed through the Bundestag was, uh, of course, the Christian Democrats. Who um, really? They, I'm sure they have never. Who you would be the surprised, Christ, the right? CDU didn't like um, this. Oh. They they apparently submitted an alternative resolution allowing people to register their religion voluntarily. However, uh, this motion was rejected, and uh, you can imagine they took this with sort of a stoic understanding <laughs> of the situation. Of course, they didn't. Okay, they were moany little pissy bitches. <laughs> um, Thomas Rachel, um, a CDU politician, said that the passing of the new proposal was a sad indication that religion has become a minor matter for some politicians in this country. Fucking good, honestly. <laughs> Jesus. Separation of church and state. You guys have been pissing about with that for the last, I don't know, what are we on, 70, 80 years, something like that? Of course, everyone's favourite CDU sock puppet, Philip Amator, came <laughs> and uh, came on with something to say, uh, which was uh, he accused the government coalition of pushing religion more and more into the private sphere and out of public life. Fucking good! That's the no. point of having a separation of church and state, you idiot. Honestly. Ah, oh, it's so infuriating. Like, I can understand if you want to pay tax to the church. The church does a lot of very, certainly in Augsburg, a lot of... Uh, social services supplied by, by the church mm -hmm. but at the same time it doesn't matter what your religion is and i can't understand it's one of those policies that someone like philip amator whose entire credibility has been ruined because he's he's just a weird bloke he's got very <laughs> weird sort of personal interactions that have come to light he's certainly up to the nines in lobbyist money um, according to reports at least and um he's this kind of thing he would latch on to just to get a little bit of publicity the uh roman catholic church and the protestant church had protested it too so is this all so surprising to you simon i mean yeah no not at all <laughs> i mean these these are people that have something to lose uh i guess i mean i still find it kind of weird because obviously we talk about the cdu a lot 
it's probably the party we've talked about the most throughout the course of the show. And because we call it the CDU, you kind of forget that one of the major parties in this country has a religion in its title. Mm. And that is absolutely wild. Like, the UK has nothing close to a religious affiliation to any political party. Conservatives, yeah, are more likely to be Christians for sure. But to have the religion in the title, like, how are you supposed to be inclusive when you're literally saying this is just a club for Chrisos? Um, <laughs> Chrisos. Yeah, shout out to James A. Caster. Fucking Chrisos. Solid, solid pull. Um, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. And I'm happy that I've never paid any church tax. I will say about this about Britain that unlike Britain, Germany doesn't have any um, religious um, religion represented in its actual government, unlike Britain, which has bishops sitting in the House of Lords, unelected bishops, of course, um, sitting in the House of Lords, unless you count the election by the bishops, which is, um, which is great because that means Britain's government and its religious affiliations in that respect have something in common with uh, the only other country that has a similar mechanism within government that appoints religious representatives to their government, which is, of course, Iran. Um, yeah, uh, which, if you've been following the news, will understand why that's fucking horrific. Mm. Um, but the church tax is a weird thing. I remember when I first arrived and my wife was like, on me. Because I've been confirmed as an Anglican, and she was like, "You've got to tell them you're a Protestant." And I was like, "I'm going to tell them I've got no religion." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to tell tax them. Money. I'm not a practicing. Church, but you were confirmed, and I was like, "Yeah, but I don't go to church. I'm not a practicing. Just because I got confirmed, no one asked me. You know, no yeah. one like, <laughs> no, no one. I'm not an Anabaptist. It's not like they asked me to reconfirm it when I was like 18. So I mean, it's just yeah, um, the next leg of the scam. I mean, it's interesting that the, the Protestant Church of Germany uh, claims that 80 percent of people that uh, pass away register their religious affiliation and it's like <laughs> it's like that black adder episode where there's a priest there being like well if you don't sign this this deed over to us then you're probably going to go to hell yeah, there's people exactly. just feverishly like oh i'm gonna do my taxes <laughs> i'm a christian take me lord um it's it's weird and this isn't small potato I've, no. that's the second time i made a, a vegetable reference as an idiom tonight noses onions and small potatoes um <laughs> i've been eating vegetarian this week can you tell that's um, the asparagus so, oh wait no that's uh, not a phrase no um <laughs> what did i have to, yeah it doesn't matter what i had tonight um so the church tax is eight percent of your income in bayern bavaria and baden-wurnberg and nine percent uh, in the rest of Germany. So even though we are in the Criso heartland down here in Bayern, 1% less tax. Uh, that's, that's nice. So if you earn 50,000 euros a year in Berlin, you're going to pay about 800 euros in, in church tax. That's a holiday. Yeah, it's a massive amount of money. Like, I think a lot of people when they come here and they're asked that question have no idea what they're talking about. Like, no. what? Because it's a tithe, right? The implications are are big financially. And there's another, the next layer of this, I'm going to call it a scam because it kind of is, is that you pay this money to the Finanzamt, uh, the German IRS or HMRC in the UK, the tax office, and they then pass it on to the churches with an estimated 3% administrative fee. So of that tax, the millions and millions of euros that are paid into churches over Germany, 3% of that money goes to the tax office. I think that's the definition of a stealth tax. <laughs> it's fucking mad, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. It wouldn't be so bad, right, if it wasn't for all the scandals that were involving various priests, like driving Porsches and stuff like that and spending like vast amounts of money 
on their on their own personal playthings. I mean, we're a happy show, and so we're not going to get into the massive amounts of accusations of paedophilia and all that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. We could. horrible stuff that happens uh, in these churches. Um, so yeah, if, if you are paying your church tax and you are no longer an active Christian, uh, join us. <laughs> Stop to paying do that, the tax. You actually have to leave. You have to actively leave the church. I know people who've done it simply for tax purposes. Mm. They uh, they just don't want to pay the tax, and they've actively had to write. I think to the I guess it's the cardinal. Yeah, the archdeacon or some nonsense. They yeah. have to say that they're renouncing their faith. And if you live in a small village, like um, I know a few people do, that's a really big thing because you can't go to the church. You can't engage in the sort of church services in the same way. You can't be part of maybe some of the church um, uh, organized events in the same way, maybe part of club events in a certain way. And there's a certain level of ostracism that comes in, in with that. Sounds very Christian, doesn't it? Yeah, lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd be yeah. surprised, right, how, how Christian these people are when you tell them that you no longer want to be a Christian. <laughs> Turn the other cheek, I'll turn the other fist. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things I've been thinking about for certainly since I've come back from Britain is the various different impacts like COVID has had on so many different things. And I, I, I keep finding myself saying, ah, oh, it's the COVID effect or that's a COVID effect. And you see it in a lot of different things, way people are engaging, maybe the way people are interacting with each other, perhaps the way certain things that were the norm are no longer the norm. And one of those really obvious things is uh, the growth of working from home and home offices. And uh, for, for two years, we were doing all our work from home and it proved a lot of people wrong who for years decades have been saying oh we can't let people work from home because they will be inefficient and terrible and awful and they'll not do their jobs and then it turned out we had to work from home and we still managed to be just about as efficient and uh, productive as we had been in the office there has been a, a march by companies and politicians notably jacob rees mogg in britain to mm -hmm. force people back into the office and we have a story from nordbion.de uh, where uh, the an employee of a of a company was fired because he didn't want to turn on his webcam and uh, he was awarded with 75,000 euros from a court because of this and this is a a company software company called chetu inc or ketu inc i'm not sure if it's a hard ch or not mm. i was guessing it was a soft ch but i don't know the employee himself was in uh, was based in Holland, but he was employed by uh, Chetu Inc. I think it's Chetu. Uh, Chetu Inc., which is uh, a company that is in Florida in the US. And um, as you can imagine, this this guy was working remotely. And in August, he was meant to take part in a, a corrective action program, which sounds very, mm. uh, it's very mysterious. And this is... Uh, <laughs> And uh, the employer, this company, demanded that everybody, and certainly he, be logged in the whole working day. And in addition to being logged in the whole working day, uh, that he keep his webcam on and was uh, had a, a screen sharing program running the entire time. Unsurprisingly, the employee considered this to be slightly over the top and uh, also an invasion of his privacy. And he told, he told the company to essentially do one, um, rather that he was uncomfortable about doing that, as anyone would be. And then <laughs> 20th 
24 hours later, no. Chetty Wink fired the employee uh, without notice because of a refusal to work and rebellion even. Um, so, yeah, what do you think, Simon? What's your thoughts on this? I mean, it's an interesting precedent that's been set here. 75,000 uh, for getting fired for refusing to have your webcam on. I mean, this is an, it's an interesting area because, of course, a lot of people have been working from home and are now being pushed back into the office. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of workers aren't necessarily that interested in a full return to the office just now. And this isn't a, a story about Germany, but it's definitely an interesting insight into how Germany would handle this um, because we've talked about Datenschutz, data protection, many, many times because it is such a big part of German culture. And it's clear that this Dutch worker was able to conjure the spirit of German Datenschutz uh, to protect himself, which is it's good news because, yeah, having to have your webcam on feels pretty hands-on. And screen-sharing programs, yeah, not great. But at least, I mean, there are some companies that have implemented these kind of screen capture mm. uh, systems behind the scenes without notifying members of staff and that is pretty creepy to know that a photo of whatever you're looking at is going to be taken every 25 minutes and then shared with your boss um it doesn't make you feel like you're trusted uh, in your job and of course work from home has demonstrated in most cases that people are perfectly able and willing to work and complete their job functions in an environment where they're in control of when and how these things are done to a far greater extent than they were before in offices. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's good news. And yeah, companies are going to hate it, of course. But if companies hate it and workers like it, that's probably a good thing. During the pandemic, I remember this was, this was a big discussion because it affected so many people. But there was examples of call centers forcing employees to have like a camera that tracked their the eye movements i think at one yeah. point and whether they were moving their mouse or whatever mm. and it it feels like if you have to do that the question would be why is it you think they won't be working is it because their working environment is horrible and the pay is shit that you think they'll be slacking off. And I suspect that certainly working in a call center, that is part of the reasoning behind it, is they know that the environment, the job is pretty awful and yeah. the pay is pretty awful. And so they have to shackle people into uh, sit in front of their computers. But what we're seeing now is a shift, right? We're seeing a shift from people who felt that they had to go in the office. And I remember when I started working in companies in Nuremberg, that was often the struggles, whole departments would ban home office mm. because uh, the feeling was people wouldn't be productive and that's the argument's been shattered but managers still haven't caught up and and i even recollect having this discussion in the earlier episodes where we talked about the fact that like managers are incapable of actually managing people without being face to face with them it's a sense it's, it's it, Managers want people to be in the office because they don't understand how to manage people more effectively other than to be standing over them or to be seeing them face-to-face. And also, when you realize a team can work quite effectively without a manager, the question isn't, well, we need to get them back in the office. The question is, well, why do we need a manager? Mm. Why do we need to pay this guy? You know, Why not sack this guy, redistribute the money, right? And I think there's a lot of people who've already lost jobs because they became essentially redundant. 
there was no purpose for them to exist you don't need someone cracking the whip if you've got a team of software developers yeah. most of the time if you're working in agile environments as me and simon hate to even mm. think about so agile um, often it yeah yeah look at my kanban board uh, <laughs> often it is the case that these teams work without leadership and i saw that like directly in a lot of departments I worked in where managers were losing their shit because they were becoming abundantly obvious that teams were working effectively, almost more effectively, more productively than they were before without them being a central part of that mechanism. And they created a system where people who manage people were actually redundant. And, and when you automate things, when you can have automated scheduling, when you can have people setting up their own meetings at their own time, communicating themselves, you don't need someone to coordinate because people are doing it on on their Todd, you know. I say it does seem to be that managers are one of the groups of people that are very unhappy about how mm -hmm. this has all gone. Mm -hmm. And so Fortune did an article back in April where they surveyed managers and it came back that uh, 77% uh, said they'd fire you or cut your pay for not coming back into the office, Yeah, um, which is a terrifyingly high number, um, willing to implement, quote, severe consequences. Mm. I mean, how much of an issue do you have to have with your personal strength when you're happy to agree to severe consequences uh, in, in a modern era? It's, it's a very damning indictment of the insecurity of this group. I spoke to someone the other day and they were saying that actually they worked in a software company. I think they was a programmer or something. And he said that so many people had left the company. The company was so concerned about people leaving that started like giving people every second Friday off. And like okay. doing like initiatives like that to make people enjoy their experience of work. Because I think, again, the the pandemic effect, the COVID effect is that thing, again, we've discussed of people evaluating their lives, finding them wanting, and then deciding, well, I'm going to make them better. I'm going to change them. For some people, that is just leaving. That's exactly what I did. I fucking realized how much I hated my job and I hated the people who employed me and I left. Um, and this is why I, I, I do what I do now. And it was such a, a negative experience for certainly for, for so long. And it wasn't until I left, I realized how much I fucking hated it. And I think there's a lot of people in the same boat, to be honest. And um, if you want talent, it's going to take more than just money for a lot of people. Young people are looking for more than just cash. There was an article, I think, in the New York Times that was complaining about the loyalty of Generation Z or millennials. I can't remember which stupid name they were given. Young people, essentially, in their 20s have no loyalty. And I was like, well, you've got to give them something to be loyal to, you know? You've got to give them something more than just, here's some money. It's not quite enough, you know? In the 50s, if you were loyal to a company, they would give you enough money so you could actually pay a mortgage. Mm. And, yeah, if you're living in any major city at the moment, working for a company there's a good chance you're not going to be getting paid enough to to really fulfill those those dreams that are pretty standard mm. but even if you want to have a mortgage because a lot of people now are realizing it's so beyond their financial mm. ability that they've changed the things that they actually want there was a study i think recently done in the uk something along these lines as well where there were just it, people's priorities our priorities we grew up with achievement was having a house having a car having a family and now you've got people who are like well do i need a house do i need a car do mm. i want to get married do i need to get married if i want to have kids do i not want to have some kind of polyamorous experience and i'm like <laughs> fucking great do that that sounds that sounds like at least it's got to be fun for a couple of years right before the <laughs> before the, the ceiling caves in right but i think young people 
God, no, probably less about young people than I do about German politics. But uh, I get a feeling that, that young people want something more than just the shite they've been offered or previous generations have been offered. Judging by our survey, no one, no one under 25 listens to our show anyway. So I think everyone's just going to be like, yeah, I feel the same way about what you're saying about young people. We're all as, as, as in the dark as each other here. There's one 18-year-old bringing down the curve. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just think, you can't trap people in work anymore. You can't trap them into the shitty jobs. Like you've got to do better than like the only thing we can do is monitor you with a camera. Like mm. if that's your only option, like then you you're really not going to have a company for very long because people just don't want to do that. And uh, there's a lot of job flexibility in Britain. It's one of the things I don't think they talk about. People who want a job can probably find one. And there's a lot of range of different jobs. Gives a lot of people even in low skilled employment a little bit more freedom. Mm. When it's like well. Well, no, nah, I don't want to do, I don't want to stack shelves for you. I want to do this instead. Or if you're working in, in more skilled uh, employment, um, there's more options available to you. And why would you stick with a company that wants to record you every two minutes when you can just go to a company that doesn't do that? Even at <laughs> universities that have cottoned on to the idea of home office and, and all these different things. So it, it's not insane. I think you can come to some agreement with people. It doesn't have to be home office every day. It can be every couple of days, you know. Um, they talked about work-life balance when we first came to Germany. This is what mm. work-life balance looks like, having an actual life, you know. Instead of, instead of pretending you've got a life because you go to a yoga class between six and seven after you finish work in the work gym or something like that, you know. Salve, Susammen. Hallöchen. That brings us to the end of the show. We're off to teach those damn kids to appreciate the joy of playing with a rock and a stick, you damn whippersnappers. <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes? It only takes a minute and really helps us out. We're also in the Christmas spirit, hungry for Christmas Spotify stars. So chuck some of them beautiful stars our way. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag Decades From Home or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com forward slash Decades From Home and contributing to get us ready for Christmas Stalin season. Ooh, I can't wait. Get me some of that cheese. Uh, just as an update, we did break the 30 mark we have 35 star reviews on spotify well done you one listener who did it um come on <laughs> come on people chop chop times are wasting you can give us some more stars you lovely lovely people <laughs> as ever if you have any questions feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover you can tweet simon on at decades from home and you can tweet me at 40 percent german you can also get us on decades from home at gmail.com if you have time, take a look at 40percentgerman.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Ciao.